Well, good, good evening, everyone. It's uh, just an absolute delight to be here tonight, and I'm so, so grateful. I just wanted to thank Lance for the kind invitation once again to be able to be here. I don't take it for granted that I, that I get to share, and whenever a pastor surrenders the pulpit, I see that as a sober stewardship of the time, and so um, grateful for that, and grateful for the church body here who has prayed for us, given generously to our ministry, and uh, hey, it, it takes a team effort, and so thank you, and um, you know, as I'm reminded, as you're also invested in many other ministries, including Peyton and Grace, um, you know, keep, as, as the Lord brings them to mind, um, yeah, keep people in your prayer. I was just thinking of the battle. There are so many things that are going on in, in this world, in ministry. You don't have to be a cross-cultural mis missionary to be in some kind of a battle, eh? And we really need the support of one another. So let's, man, let's keep that in mind. It is a team effort. And no one in the body of Christ is an extra, just like an appendix. Um, everybody has uh, a part to play, so... Um, I'm hoping that as we spend time uh, this um, weekend that maybe the Lord would be speaking to you as an individual, as a couple, as a family to go deeper, to go even more than what you're already doing for the Lord Jesus Christ. He is indeed worthy. Um, okay, the clicker. There's the clicker. Um, well, the lights are... You said I was going to see something here. Do I have to hit this to start it? Hello? Oh, there it is. Okay. Sorry. I was looking in the wrong direction. Somebody. All right. Honest, I'll tell you. You know, I feel like I'm under interrogation here. Okay. <laughs> um, I want to, I want to, I had an idea. Um, Lance had asked me to share about the Basodio story, and I'm more than happy to do that, and I can't. I can't wait to do that, but I want you to know this, that as I'm sharing here tonight, there's one thing I want to do tonight at the men's breakfast, and I know it'll be my wife's heart, and this weekend, I want one thing to point you to the Lord Jesus Christ. I have no desire to do anything else than to point you to the Lord Jesus Christ that you might be encouraged that you might be strengthened in the faith and, um, yeah, just fall more and more in love with him. That he is able to enable you, no matter what your station in life, no matter what he has for you now or whatever he has for you in the future. And so um, that's what I, I want to share tonight. And hopefully uh, your eyes will be focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, the living, reigning Lord Jesus Christ. Um, before I go on anymore, let me just commit our time to the Lord Jesus here. Lord, I thank you for every one of my brothers and sisters and for what this church has meant to us and has meant to so many other ministries and even to the community here of Colorado Springs. And Lord, we want to commit this evening into your good and faithful hands. Help us to share that which you've put on our hearts. Help us to steer clear of that which is not necessary to say. And so we're trusting you to lead faithfully, submit to you and your authority and your good and precious name. Amen. 
Um, tonight, I want to talk to you about the incomparable goodness of the good news. I really, as I see what's happening in the world, and as I, not just in the United States and the Western societies, but at a global level, I hope that we as the church can recapture the uniqueness, one of a kind, and nobody even comes close kind of a message we have the incomparable goodness of the good news. And that's why I'm excited to share about this people group, the Basodios, how they engage the good news for the first time. And at the end of the message here, there's going to be a question to you and I from them about this good news. Um, one thing I, w I do want to say here is that I believe my role as a missionary and as one who's involved in cross-cultural ministry, is to give an account to the church. You get excellent teaching week in and week out. Um, we just were streaming just last week on, on Romans, just excellent teaching on Romans 3 there. And, um, but, but the scripture says this, that when Paul finished his missionary journey, he finally went back to Antioch. It says at the end of Acts 14, upon arriving in Antioch, they called the church together and reported everything God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And, th and that's what I want to do. I feel my responsibility is just to share with you how the Lord has opened the door of faith to more of the Gentiles in the far-flung uh, places of the earth. So to begin here, though, I'm just going to give a, a, just a little bit of a background about my dear and precious wife. Um, Harriet and I grew up in southern New Jersey. Our accent is long gone, at least I think it is, although we do still say water instead of water. <laughs> but I've known Harriet since she was seven years old. Um, we grew up in southern New Jersey, not central or northern New Jersey. We make the distinction. Um, Apple orchards, peach orchards, blueberry farms, small dairy farms. Um, we did not grow up uh, in a family. We, we went to church, but we, we did not know the Lord Jesus. Um, as we went through life, we were just doing our thing. We were unsaved. We were ungodly. I graduated as the class clown of my senior class. I was a buffoon, uh, a moron, uh, an idiot. I'm a, a loser. <laughs> you know, I wasn't gone anywhere until the Lord Jesus got a hold of my life. And he made a radical, radical difference. I'm talking about the personal, living, resurrected, ascended, reigning Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about the idea of Jesus. I'm talking about the living person of the Lord Jesus Christ came into my life and at the time my girlfriend's wife and we've never been the same. The first thing we want to do is start telling others about the Lord Jesus. Every one of our family members, our school friends, they thought we had lost our minds. But through a set of circumstances, the Lord kept leading us to an older couple who eventually challenged us about taking the gospel to those who never heard. Oh, wait, you mean there's others that don't know about Jesus? Yeah, and they're not going to know about him unless someone goes and tells them. 
That, that couple lit our hearts on fire. We were babies. We were babies in Christ, and yet God was faithful, took us where we were at, and led us faithfully to Bible school. Well, let me say this. First, Harriet finally graduated high school. The next week, we were married. Yeah. My daughter thought she was going to do the same thing. I said, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> so we were, and then two months later, we were off to Bible school. We went with New Tribes Mission at the time. They're Ethnos 360 now. And um, so we were in Bible school two months later. We did our training, our cross-culture training, phonetics, linguistics, so on and so forth. And then the Lord, through a set of circumstances, gave us the privilege to head to the country of Papua New Guinea, where he gave us this unbelievable privilege to pioneer work amongst this unreached people group called the Basodias with another couple, Bob and Nobi Kennel from Seattle, Washington. Um, now, Papua New Guinea is the home of more than 800 different distinct language groups. Um, not talking about dialects. I mean, it's different as French is from Chinese. Different distinct language group. Uh, today, it's probably just over 10 million people that are in that country but it's a huge harvest field for the Lord. And the Basodios were an unreached people group living at the headwaters of three different river systems. And the Lord gave us this privilege um, in reaching them. Sorry, there's the clicker. Um, and th this is some of the first people we met, just uh, like this. And um, they, the Basodios had no idea why we were coming into it. In fact, guys, we were asked by the government of Papua New Guinea to, to go in and minister to these people, not to give them the gospel. It wasn't like the government was trying to do that, but they knew two things, that whenever missionaries go interior, two things happen. Usually a medical clinic pops up and grass airstrips. And so the government encouraged us to go in there, and we had the permission to go in there by the government of Papua New Guinea. And so we did, and the Basodios were living in this village where it was just a small little hamlet site. Now again, the Basodios themselves were scattered all over these uh, different rivers and tributaries, but we found them at this one spot right here, and this was the very first place where we first engaged the Basodias. Now, we lived with the Basodias for 18 years in this jungle context. Tree bark floor, thatch over the roof, um, and the best we could, moving interior, but we, we had a problem. Okay, I just... I just asked you, please stop staring at me, and you insisted on doing it. <laughs> Their language was unknown and unwritten, and so there we were. Uh, there was a, few, a couple guys there that had a very crude understanding of Melanesian, Melanesian Pidgin English, um, which is the national trade language of Papua New Guinea, and all we were able to communicate to them is that we wanted to come help them and we had this important talk. They had no idea what this important talk was, but they said if, 
If you want to come help, help us, please do. We are miserable living the way we are. But, but again, they had no idea. So we, of course, as we moved interior with our families, we had to begin building relationships, learning the language, the culture, and the worldview to where we, got to the, we could get to the point to where we could find out what is really going on deep within the heart of the Basodio. How are they looking at life? Think about it. It's not just the language. It's the culture. It's the worldview assumptions that's, that's creating this interpretive lens of how they're understanding every aspect of life. Now, it wasn't that we weren't trying to be urgent with the gospel. We most certainly were. But we had to be able to communicate it in a way that was going to make sense to them. In fact, the Bible even warns about trying to give answers before you understand. We have the Bible, right? But how do you communicate it cross-culturally? The Bible says this. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Well, we didn't want a ministry of folly and shame. We, we wanted to take time to build those relationships, to kind of climb down inside their soul to understand how are they looking at life, to really do life with them side by side. And so that's exactly what we did as we lived amongst them. And guys, learning the language, even like what, what Peyton was saying there, my heart was going out to him. Those, those language checks are like this. I can remember the beginning days with, with these guys here, the Basodios. It's one of the first sounds I heard. Let me get a drink here. This, could, this may kill my throat here. Pardon me. So I see this tribal guy, he, Tabo, my friend Tabo. He gets on a tree stump and he's going to call a village meeting. And I'm, I'm all excited. You know, I got, I got my... My, my little uh, notebook and pencil, and I'm going to get some new language. Been trained in phonetics, right? He gets on this stump, calling this village meeting. And I'm there with my little pad and pencil. It was like a phonetic tsunami that just came over me. I mean, wh what are you supposed to do? Excuse, excuse me, excuse me. Could, could you say that again, but a, a, little, a little slower this time? Overwhelmed. Feeling the weight of, of my... <laughs> Feeling the weight, feeling the weight of my not enoughness. You ever been there? I have. Secret prayers, secret prayers during language study. Lord, please, I'm, I'm begging you, give, give me a disease. <laughs> Guys, Wanting a disease, so I had to get sent home. I'm being gut level honest. Yeah, oh, yeah. like missionaries are Rambo. I'm not a Rambo. 
Of course, I wanted a note from the doctor. I wanted to get healed once I got home. And then get a note from the doctor. George is never to go back to the tropics. Well, I'd go back, but here it is. The doctor told me I'm not to go back. Needy, needy, needy. We need one another. Looking for the exits. Looking for the exit. Where is that green exit at? Where, how can I get out of this? How can I find the honorable off-ramp? We're in a battle. It's difficult. It's hard. We need one another. Pray for your missionaries. Cry out for mercy. But I'll tell you what. The Lord is able to enable His daily grace, mercy, enabled us to build those relationships and friends. And just as we lived in the village, like, for example, in the beginning, showing them the love of Christ, my dear and precious wife having LPN training and, and doing a medical clinic. Man, it was fantastic. Fantastic. When they found out what an aspirin was, there, there was an epidemic of, of headaches. <laughs> but, to, but to see the joy, the relief, to love people and to gain the ability to empathize. To be a, a, a vessel of mercy. Who doesn't need mercy? Man, I tell you, I need mercy and grace every day in my life. I don't want the whole, there's no spiritual timeouts. There's no coffee breaks where the Holy Spirit, yeah, I, you, know, you need to help me for these 10 minutes. Man, here's how I look at it, all right? Bring the dump truck of mercy and just back up over me. <laughs> just, just bring it by the dump truck load where we need his unbelievable mercy and grace to do life, to do ministry. It's okay to be needy. Holy Spirit's not trying to work himself out of a job. But to try to help us understand what it is to abide in Christ so that he is indeed our sufficiency in the midst of the weakness. In the midst of the weakness, that's the key. It's, a, it's in the midst of the not enoughness that he's your sufficiency. So we went on and we did life with them, living out on the trails, wherever they were, trying to understand their way of life, to understand how they were looking at it. Whether it was the gardening and fishing, wherever it was, we were doing life together. Pig sacrifices to dead ancestors, in our case, it was a whole hierarchy of spirit beings that we discovered as we went deeper and deeper into their heart. Um, where we saw the initiation rites, the ceremonies, and how the things they were singing about, and how they looked at life, the, the bondage and the fear that they lived in, warring with neighboring tribes. Papua New Guinea nowadays, to be honest, it's one of the most dangerous countries on earth. Look it up yourself. There's warnings about not going to New Guinea. Um, shaman practices, the tragedy of when someone had died the weeping, the wailing, the hopelessness. We have the good news. And we did discover what was in their heart. And you know what we found? It was a worldview fortress. It was a fortress. Enslaved to the flesh and to Satan. And yet, the Lord has sent us there to preach the good news. Fully persuaded of it. And we weren't going anywhere. 
We were going to keep trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we were fluent. Now we didn't know the language and culture, but our trust wasn't even in that. Our trust was right here. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Yeah, and that principle works right here. It doesn't mean we're mean. It doesn't mean we're ugly with people. It doesn't mean we're condescending. Always treating every human being we meet, regardless of where they are in their relationship with God, with dignity and respect. They're image bearers. And they need to be loved and treated and heard and understood. When I do a lot of training of cross-cultural missionaries. And whenever you talk about taking time to learn the language and culture, the biggest pushback I get is this. Well, well, well George, that, that sounds like that's going to take time. Good morning. <laughs> and, and wait a minute. And how much time has God taken with you? How much time has God taken? You get all the time. Nobody else gets time. You know, you're here again confessing the same sin. You confessed 5,000 times. Gabriel, bring me the club. <laughs> you know, it's like, how is it that the same thing over and over and over and over? You're like in a spiritual ham, you know, where the hamster going around. You get all the mercy and nobody else gets anything. Patience. It's called Loving people. Caring enough to take the time enough to understand them well enough so that when you present the gospel, it's clear. Not saying it guarantees converts. It's not what we're doing. But at least clarity of the gospel. This is the stewardship we have. If we're willing to keep trusting him and, and the promises he's made. So after three years of studying their language and culture, we were ready. And so we got the village leaders together, and we, had, we kept saying these three years, oh man, we got an important message, we got an important message, we wanted to just keep the interest there. Well, after three years, and we said, well, it's time, that's what they said, well, it's about time, it's only been three years. But I mean, they didn't know all that went into trying to learn an unknown, unwritten language. We had to break it down into writing, create an alphabet, and then we taught them to read and write their own language and started translating the scriptures into their own language. By the way, we just finished translating. The entire Bible now is done. January 12th, we just finished. The entire Bible is finished. And only by God's grace, and my dear co-worker did the lion's share of the work. I was checking this work, but he's an excellent translator. And so the, the leaders, and we watched the way that they told stories and so on, and we saw that it was at the fires, around the fires at night. And so we said to these leaders at this main village that had developed here, we said, so... Um, how, we, we noticed that you guys tell your main stories around the fires at night, and so we have an idea. What, what would you think of this as we want to tell you this important talk? We said, well, how about if we do one hut one night, and then, and then the next night we'll do another hut, and then the next night we'll do another hut? They said to us, hut to hut! Is this talk important or isn't it? Oh, we said, it's the most important talk you're ever going to hear. Well, they said, if it's that important, you'll teach the whole village at once. 
Oh, man, all right, the whole village at once. So we didn't want to get carried away. So we said, well, how many times do you want to get together? Maybe a couple times a week? A couple times a week? Is this talk important or isn't it? We said, it's the most important message you're ever going to hear. They said, well, if it's that important, you will teach us every day of the week. Man, eleven, I couldn't believe it. Every day of the week, how are we going to do that? It'd be hard enough in English, let alone in Basodio. So we said, well, how? Every day of the week, how are you going to get your food? I mean, it's not like King Supers is around the corner, eh? So they walked over here, and they, they huddled by themselves, and then they came back, and they said, look, we got our food and been feeding ourselves long before you got here. Not like we don't know how to get food. But we'll do it this way. You will teach us Monday through Friday, and we'll get our food on the weekends. So it was game on. So, okay. So that's what happened. And our prayer was this, that we, that we just wanted it to be clear. Lord, help us as Paul prayed. Pray that I may play, proclaim this message as clearly as I should. And that right there with that arrow is, that is the first time the Basodio people were ever going to hear of the Lord Jesus Christ that you hear week after week after endless week and that you have heard year after year after year. This is the first time they were going to get to hear it in 2,000 years since the Lord Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news. What a privilege, what an unbelievable honor and so, I want to tell you, in the time remaining here, I wanted to share what happened and how God used that story and brought these Gentiles to himself. And so, in the beginning there, we had, many of the Basodians were terrified of us. They had never seen this skin color before. Some of them thought we were reincarnated dead ancestors. And um, I remember in the, those pre-evangelism days, I'd... I'd go into one of the huts and one of the, some of the ladies would start crying, like weeping. I thought, man, I know I'm not the greatest looking guy, but is it really that, <laughs> is it that bad? And they were just terrified of us. So we had these 35 out on the hillside. There was no church building, just out, and they, that's what they said. Let's put the talk out under the sun. Full disclosure to everyone. And um, we, we weren't doing any singing, we weren't doing any praying, and it wasn't a sermon, it was a village conversation. We took the format of their village courts and used that until it was very, very interactive. It was a conversation with them as we taught and shared from God's Word. And so, of course, uh, as these 35 began to hear, we began just there in the beginning with God before everything, the triune God. We had to take everything out of their mind, sun, moon, stars, because they had some of these entities that they saw. They didn't know where they came from, but they always existed. So we, in their, as we began the story to them, that there was no ground, there were no trees, naming specific trees and the animals that they would have known, none of that was there. None of their spirit world, the sun, the moon, the stars, there was nothing. But this one, from everlasting to everlasting, one being and three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and we were describing what he was like. And Rafe, out of the starting block, whoa, 
Dale, dale, wobo, wobo, hanegedubo. Like, what are you even talking about? But man, you know, as we went on, a chance to glorify God, to brag about the God of the Bible. Are you kidding me? And then we went on to the creation of angels and how God created these beings to be his servants. They were good and only good. Until, of course, we got to the fall of Lucifer, and we got to the fall of Lucifer at this point, although I know that there's discussions of when that happened, and I'm not going to get lost here in that. But you had to have Lucifer fall, fallen before you get to Genesis 3, right? And so we talked about the fall of Lucifer, and they saw that he was the enemy of God. And that was a bit of a sobering lesson for the Basilians. By the way, our, our sessions, there was none of these over there. Easily an hour and a half. Conversations. Communicating, engaging, talking about issues of life, important stuff. Then we went on to the creation of the world. Now here's the deal. We didn't just say on day one God did this, on day two God did that. We took our time. We spent two weeks in creation alone, Genesis 1 and 2. And the reason for that is, is because we wanted to magnify who God was in action as he was creating this unbelievable paradise for humankind, creating his image. If you don't, and I found this, if people do not bow the knee, this has been a pattern across the board as I've been engaged in ministry for over 40 years, if people do not bow the knee to God as creator, and sovereign Lord of the universe, and all that that means, neither are they going to bow the knee to him as redeemer. It's not going to happen. And I believe that's why God starts with creation. There's a reason. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, is the beginning of wisdom. And as we went through, creation began to speak to the Basodios. And it became alive like never before. And this God was seen as good and only good when we got to man, God creating man as image bearers. Because you know what? The local tribal people called the Basodios wild animals, jungle pigs. So the Basodios knew that socially they were at the bottom of the totem pole, so to speak. In fact, some neighboring tribes downriver asked us, why are you wasting your time on the Basodios? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross for them too. And the Lord Jesus Christ has a different perspective. Look, Romans 1 in living color, and you don't have to go overseas to see that that was what was there. Fornication, adultery, gossip, even murder. We had found, as we did genealogies and, and surveys, only four men who had not murdered someone in their lifetime. These guys weren't just sitting under coconut trees with a coconut and a straw in it waiting for Bible stories. Far from it. You, you get the National Geographic thing where it looks like they're one with nature. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of just doing a little article, try living with them for two decades to where you really understand from an insider's point of view. The good news of being created 
with dignity. And that, when we read Genesis 1, 26, 27, and 28, and I saw the absurdity of response, wait, we're creating his image? The dignity, the honor that that brought, and he created us to know him? Well, well, we don't know him. That's why he sent us here. That's part of the news we want to tell you. And it was just something that kept leading them along. The Garden of Eden, when we got there all pre-fall, they were asking, where, where is this place? You know, as they're pulling out thorns. And then, of course, after taking time to paint that picture, we talked about the utter and complete tragedy of the fall of man. The fall of man. The sinfulness. Where sin came in, then death and condemnation, and they're part of coming from Adam, just like you and I. And yet, when they saw the fall of man, the promise of the Redeemer in Genesis 3.15, the good news that God did say that he would bring back a Redeemer, that he would make a way for man to be made right and to be able to come back into this re relationship. And as they were sitting around listening, <laughs> This dear old lady, Enome, she says, oh, I know, because they were saying, well, tell us, has he been sent? Will he be sent? We said, no, he's been sent already. And then she goes, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know who God said he was going to send. It's you. As she pointed out, well, well, well no, wait, 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 no, it's not us. No, we're here, we're here to tell you about the one he did send. And so we went on, and I, I won't belabor the Bible stories but I will let you hear some of it, just a snapshot of some of the things that we covered and their responses. We got to Cain and Abel, and as we proclaimed the scripture, sometimes we do drama. But it was interesting, as the Lord was bringing in conviction on the Basodios, they always related to the one that was needy. For example, in Cain and Abel, and after we proclaimed and they thought through what happened, they said, well, wait, we're, we're like Cain. We're the arrogant ones. That's who we are. We went on to the story of Noah after that. Took three days in the story of Noah. Yano, one of the village leaders after that, and again, of the word of God, the spirit of God taking truth and just still opening and turning on lights inside their hearts. Yano came up to my coworker Bob and I after that, and he says, I see it now. You and Bob are like Noah, and we Basodios are like outside of the ark, aren't we? Yeah, but he wants you in the ark. That's why he sent us. He wants you in the ark. There's good news yet to come. We went on to Babel, and the rejection of God there as well, and the, and the the mixing up of the languages, the confusion of the languages. Oh, boy, I'll tell you, the Basodias were so fired up. They, they wanted to strangle Nimrod. They were, so, they were so worked up. You know what? They were, listen, they weren't just hearing about stories. They were in the story. During these days of teaching, I remember being out in the gardens with them where the guys are literally making gardens, sweating bullets in the hot tropical, Papua New Guinea, we were at four degrees off the equator. It is hot. And they're, they're in the garden, literally chopping. Adam, oh Adam, what were you thinking? 
They were in the story. This was real life. Going on to the calling of Abraham, even though man rejected. Time of Noah, away from God, just going wild. Tower of Babel, same thing, forgetting the Lord. Yet the Lord pursues, pursues, pursues. In Genesis 3, he calls Abraham, but what's he going to do? Abraham and you. All the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And then actually Genesis 26, 4, it says all the nations. The Basodias knew that that included them. That includes us. Donia stands up. This is wonderful news. Let's be talking about it. in the gardens, when we're traveling in the bush, going by canoe, around the fires at night. This is important talk. Let's keep talking about this. They had no idea Calvary was coming. Of course, in Genesis 15, Abraham's justified by faith. Genesis 17, circumcision. All the chronology, it matters in unfolding the truth of the Bible. Then, of course, um, we got to Sodom and Gomorrah, and they heard of God's judgment. The leaders, after that Bible, later that afternoon, they came up to us, and they said, we're leaving the village. And we said, What? What are you talking about? And I said, we're done here. We're leaving. And my, we were honestly confused. So my coworker and I said, well, what do you mean? Why are you, why are you leaving? Wait, wait, what do you mean you're leaving? Well, they said, well, well, look what happened to Adam and Eve. Look what happened to Cain and his family. Noah and all the people during that time. The Tower of Babel, look what happened to them. And now you're telling us this? We're next. You know what? The Spirit of God was working, and here's the principle. And you're getting it in Romans, and as Lance goes through Romans 3 even more, every mouth shut. Then the good news. It's the sick that need the physician. And how bad is the bad news? Oh, it's real bad. Yeah, it's real bad. Like right here. You don't have to look around at your neighbor. Have a, have a look in here. It's real bad. And yet there's grace and love of the good news. So we reassured the Basodias because that there's more to the story. Hang on here. Well, they started getting their relatives. Now they're doing these outreach and they're having people come two and three days walk away. 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, 65, 70 people now up on this hillside. They're asking for tape recorders so they can tape record the Bible lessons. They're getting like three hours of Bible a day because they're re-listening to the morning stuff that evening. Spirit of God, and you know, every time I share this story, oh yeah, okay, George, uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. How big was the fish? Oh, man, man, the fish was this big. Say what you want, I was there, and so was my wife and my co I'm an eyewitness to what I'm talking to you about here. Spirit of God was moving in this jungle. It was like the book of Acts. It was simply unbelievable. All those secret prayers, thank God he never answered them. And I got to get in on it in the midst of being a scaredy cat. I remember during the first, (laughs) 
I remember that during the first time we were, uh, the first Christmas away from home, I was so depressed, just swinging a hammock for three days. I wanted my mommy. Homesick was tearing me up. Okay, Isaac, Jacob, 12 sons, Israel, the whole history down in Egypt, the various plagues, seeing God in action, taking on the gods of Egypt, and God was just being exalted more and more and more and more. Whoa, what if I had a trouble about someone? God is the ultimate authority. He is truly the ruler. None can defeat him. That was the takeaway from all these Bible stories. As the Spirit of God continued to take truth, The blood on the doorpost, another wonderful, besides Abraham offering up Isaac, then the blood on the doorpost, the Passover. Again, we went through the Red Sea, the wilderness down in Mount Sinai, and that was the nail, the final nail in the coffin. The Ten Commandments. There was no way you were, you were going to merit your way before God. Whoa, whoa, God, I God is so good. He is the essence of goodness. You can't even so much as even think of getting close to him. Saw themselves totally cut off. Went through Israel's up and down history. We were done the Old Testament teaching after about 20 weeks of teaching. Now there's a hundred people on this hillside. This village is busting at the seams. One of the leaders, Loa, comes to us and he says, not... And now we're getting to where now we're going to redeem, we're going to reveal who the Redeemer is. And um, Loa comes up and he says, once a day isn't enough. You're going to teach us twice a day. We want to know what God has done about our sins. Ah, now you're ready. We weren't trying to drag out the story for the sake of dragging it out. But we wanted them to be well prepared and now they were. And we were so grateful. And now it was time to reveal the Lord Jesus. I'll tell you, my heart was going like this. So excited to reveal Christ. And so we did. The virgin birth, baptism through John the Baptist, and then the temptation in the wilderness. As we did these dramas, my coworker always played the good role. <laughs> he was always like the Lord, and I'm like the devil or, you know, one of the Pharisees in our skits we were doing. He, he said, George, we're, we're typecasting. <laughs> so as we're doing, okay, guys, picture this. Up on that hillside, like a, a horseshoe, 100 people, and like we're, we're teaching here. We're proclaiming the word of God, doing a little drama, proclaiming the word of God, doing a little drama. And now we're doing the temptation in the wilderness. And we had these costumes on. Like if I had a certain costume on, they knew that was supposed to be Satan. And the, my coworker had one. Now that's supposed to be the Lord. So the Lord's in the, in the wilderness there. And now here comes Sir, Satan. And they're saying on the side, oh no! Oh no! And as we went through the scriptures and as the Lord resisted Satan at every single turn, they were literally cheering on the sidelines, clapping and cheering. Yes, don't give in to him. 
Don't give it to him. And somebody cried out, oh, why couldn't he have been in the Garden of Eden? Why couldn't it have been him? <laughs> we went through the scriptures, the healing of the Lord Jesus, the crippled, the blind, the dumb, the deaf, casting out demons. The Lord was sweeping them off their feet. They were falling in love with the Lord Jesus. He's so good. He understands us. Oh, I wish my mom could be raised from the dead to hear these stories. All these things they were saying. It was just simply unbelievable. What a joy to proclaim Christ. Guys, they began to make up songs about the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were just singing them. They had no idea Calvary was coming, and yet they were singing these songs about the goodness and the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, finally, we got, of course, let me move along here. We got to uh, finish up here. So we got to the Last Supper where there was the, be the betrayal. There's the arrest, and then the Lord, well, is taken off after the, the Garden of Gethsemane. We acted all of that out. And um, we actually had some missionaries who didn't know the language come in and help us because we needed some Roman thugs and, and that kind of stuff for, for, for doing the drama. So we told the Basodios, the next day you're going to hear the message. You're going to hear why we left our families, why we left our home countries, why we came here and learned your language and culture. You're going to hear why tomorrow. This is going to be the core of the message. And we had the idea that we were going to actually act out the crucifixion and, um, and present it that way. We're going to proclaim the scriptures, of course. We thought, man, this might get hard to explain it. Let's just act it out. A picture's worth a thousand words. So we told the Basodios, we're going to turn our little diesel generator on even before the sun gets up because this is going to be a long day. We want to get this message across to you before the sun gets too hot. And uh, anyway, we all gathered down the hill in my house. We were all us missionaries. We were in there just bathing this in prayer on our knees, asking God to please make this clear. Help us not to get in the way. We just want to let them know what Jesus has done for them. So we had that, the night's sleep and prayer. We were up to like one in the morning. The, the next morning, we turned on the generator. Man, it was a beehive of activity. There was fever pitch excitement. The Basudius couldn't wait, at least so it seemed. After a little bit there, around 7 o'clock, it seemed like, well, wait, where is everybody? I went out, and I didn't see anybody here at the lower part of the village. I'm thinking, what? I went back into the house. I said, Bob, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I said, but where is everybody? So just as we're talking inside my house, way down the hill, the Basodios, one of the guys way up on top of the hill, he's yelling down to us where we were at the bottom of the hill. Hey, Bob and George, are you coming up to talk to us or not? They were already up there. So they're already up there gathered. So we say, oh, man, we got to get up there. So we start running up the hill. We got all our props and this, that, and the other. And um, one Odea, he cries out across the valley, this gorgeous rainbow. He says, Oi dai, oi dai, loma eyamo, loma eyamo. Look, look, God has put the rainbow. I didn't put it there. This gorgeous rainbow, and he says, The Lord is telling us, listen to my messengers. And I thought to myself, Well, I'll take it. 
So, of course, we continued on with the story with the Lord before Caiaphas. And Pilate. And the beating. And there was one part in there where Pilate was going to let him go. And as we're acting that out, one of the episodes, he's so fired up. He gets up from where he's sitting. He walks over there. That's right. Let him go. Let him go. He actually... He, Jesus was their hero. This isn't something we did. This is something the Spirit of God done through truth. Truth received. The testimony of the God of the Bible about His Son. We went through the crucifixion, the death people weeping went through the sayings on the cross my God my God why have you forsaken us why have you forsaken me the death burial resurrection the great commission and the uh, and the ascension two hours after that the Basidius looked at us and they said and that's it no that's not it and we went back And we drew upon all those precious redemptive analogies that God himself had placed in the scriptures. We said, Basutius, do you remember Abel when he offered up the lamb? Who died? Did Abel die? No, the lamb died. And that's it, Basutius. Jesus Christ, the lamb of God, died in your place. He shed his blood for you. And as they say, he ate the pain. He took your penalty and he ate the pain. And they looked at us and they said, wait, 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 what? But so do you remember when Abraham offered up the ram? Who died? Did Isaac, did Isaac die? No, Isaac, the ram died in Isaac's place. Yes, Jesus is your substitute. He died in your place. He shed his blood for you. We went on to Passover. Do you remember how the Lord said, when I see the blood, I will pass over. The Lord Jesus is your sacrificial lamb. He shed his blood for you if you put your faith in him. And it was right during here. I could see lights in their faces. Click, 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 click. It started to dawn on them. What we were saying, we went on with the tabernacle and the brazen serpent. All these wonderful redemptive analogies that are there on purpose to make the gospel clear. While we're, while we're teach, going on like this, and my coworker and I were just tag teaming back and forth as we were explaining what the gospel was, the oldest man in the village, Wakea, he calls Bob over, Bobby, Bobby, pay, pay. Bob, come, come. Bob, are you, are you saying that Jesus died for me? Is that what you're saying, Bob? And Bob said, Wakea, that's exactly what I'm saying. And he said, all I have to do is put my trust that he paid my penalty. Is that what you're saying? And he says, yes, Wakea, that's what we're trying to let you know. That's exactly it. And he said, Bob, I do believe, I do trust the Lord Jesus as my payment. Man, I couldn't believe it. And we're up here, and the people in the back, our wives and the other missionaries, they didn't know what was going on. I said, oh, man, I got to get back there and tell those guys what's happening up here. So I went back there, and there's this other Basodia, a guy in his 20s, Hamiagu, had a baseball cap pulled down way too far because I had given it to him. I can never forget this. He had the, the, the ear was smashed. 
And he said, man, he tears in his eyes. He just grabbed my hand. He said, I am so happy. And I thought, man, this guy is understanding. I went back to my coworker, Bob. I said, I think Hamiyagu's understanding the gospel. He's back there paging behind the crown like a caged lion. So I, I said, well, Bob says, well, why don't you ask him? I says, I will. Hamiyagu, do you have something to say? He says, I most certainly do. Gets right over here, stands up on a tree stump. And he says to everyone publicly, I believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he died for me. And when he shed his blood, he shed it for me. And had he not have done that, I would have gone to hell. I could not believe what I was hearing. I turned around and I said, Bob, did you hear what he just said? Bob said, yeah, I heard what he said. I said, well, what do you do? He said, I don't know. <laughs> so he says, well, maybe say something back to him. I said, okay, I'll, I'll say something back to him. So I was just saying, based on your testimony, God's word says you're forgiven. This ain't George's word. Guys, our wives are there. It's, not everybody got saved, but many did. There was hugging, crying, laughing. We're forgiven. We're forgiven, forgiven, we're forgiven. Unbelievably overwhelming. Some of the Basodios literally Stunned into silence, overwhelmed by the love and grace and forgiveness and mercy of God. Totally caught him off guard. The incomparable goodness of the good news. That night, they were up on the hill, just up there sharing these testimonies back and forth. The next night, they were up on the hill. I'm not making this up. Venting praise to the Lord, singing chronologically about the life of the Lord Jesus, beginning with the Virgin Mary. And they were just venting praise, just making up these songs in their language, venting praise, going on and on and on. I couldn't take it anymore. I went, seriously, I went back to my house that night, and here's the verse that came to my mind. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Everybody that's Mr. Answer Man, knows everything, doesn't want to give God a word edgewise for those that have ears to hear, the ones that come to him like a little child, God stands at the ready to forgive and to give new life. Indeed, we saw this come true. This actually, we were a part of this, and so were you as you were partnering with us, that those who had no news of him shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. I'm going to close on this, because I want you to think about this. This was the question. All this is going on. I'm thinking people are not, when we write our prayer letter, they're going to think, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, right, Whatever. Two days later, Hadi Bayo comes in and he says, wait a minute, I, I've been thinking, I've been thinking. How long has it been since Jesus has died? Now to tell the Basodia is 2,000. That's a number that they don't deal in and it's going to, you're not going to be able to get it across to them. So we paused and trying to think, well, okay, how do we explain this as far as the length? But he says, let me ask it this way. Did your father know about this message? Oh, yeah, father knew. 
Oh, yeah. Did your grandfather know about this message? Oh, yeah, grandfather would have known. Did your great-grandfather know about this message? Because the Basodios are thinking it from this point of view. And then he simply said this, two days old in the Lord. You mean to tell me you guys have had this message all this time and you're just coming now? Where have you been? Then he said this, because every country they ever heard of, United States, Canada, China, Australia, whatever, since they're up at the headwaters, every country, everything else is downriver. And so then he simply said, what's going on downriver? What in the world are you guys doing fooling around down there? What's going on downriver? You and I are the downriver ones. And so his question is, what is going on downriver? I think the answer to that lies, what's going on right here? What's going on right here? Because the truth of the matter is this. There's still over 3,000 people groups who have yet to hear. And you and I should be a part. We're not to be the sole part, but a part in seeing the gospel go to those who have never, ever heard and aren't going to hear. Wasn't any crocodiles or parrots telling the Basodios the good news? I'll leave you with that. What's going on downriver? Thanks for your time. Let me close in prayer. Lord, thank you for the unbelievable testimony of you and the glory of our Savior. Oh, my. Lord, we love you. We are super duper grateful for the grace, the mercy, the abundant grace lavishly displayed in grace at Calvary and given to us without measure. Lord, I pray you would stir our hearts locally and globally to be way more proactive, to speak up for you, to listen, to learn, to love people, to take the time to get to know them. I thank you for this body, for what you are doing through the many ministries represented out in the foyer. And I pray your richest blessing. Lord, here's what I pray. That for each ministry here and each individual here, that you would answer this prayer in their individual lives and their corporate life, far above and beyond anything they could ask or think. In your son's name.